Welcome to the Pinch to Zoom podcast, the show where we zoom in on the latest tech news, products, and trends. I'm Stetson. I'm Gabe. And in this episode, we're talking about what if our current generation of smartphones was the last ones ever released and diving into the yearly refresh cycle as a substitute for actual innovation from companies. But first end up, of, oh, 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 and oh. of course, we also have quick news coming in and a go review segment. So, you know, it's a standard episode. We're getting back to our bi-weekly schedule, even though things are they're kind of crazy. Up. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's crazy. We have actually the OnePlus 8 event tomorrow, and we may see a new product from Apple this week. The tech industry is just a, a floating question mark, and we kind of see things as they come at us. But let's let's roll Gabe's new epic quick news intro and get into it. First up, we have some news regarding COVID-19. We actually have tech companies joining forces together to help monitor efforts in tracking the transfer of the disease between people. So Google, Facebook, uh, they're sharing mobile location data for people. Um, and actually, we have Apple and Google partnering as well. They're creating a tracker. And what this is going to do is basically it's going to turn your phone into a beacon. If you have COVID-19, you can go into this app, say, hey, I've got it. And then your phone will communicate via Bluetooth to other phones that are nearby and say, hey, this person has COVID or has contracted COVID-19. You may be at a higher risk of having it. And they're doing this while protecting user privacy. It's going to be anomalized. So, yeah, what, well, I think this is a big issue with all this trying to trying to use IT and phones to track people for this you know, pandemic that we're in is privacy. People obviously care about that and they don't want governments using this to overreach and step into tracking. So I think this app potentially is a unique solution because it uses Bluetooth. It doesn't actually track your location. It only tracks which other phones you come close to, kind of like a tile, you know, those the things that you track right, how right. close you are to them. So it'd be kind of like that. And it's almost like blockchain or decentralized um, in that instead of it all being tracked in one location, your phone records which other phones you come close to. Then when that person, you know, puts onto their phone, I have it it sends that out to everyone. And if that phone is in your history during the time period, it will let you know you might have come close to someone. Yeah, and this is going to be really helpful for letting people know when they should be spending time basically quarantining, spending time in home, at home, uh, and just trying to be more mindful and safe. Like if you get that notification, maybe you should wash your hands and kind of clean out everything in your house just to be a little extra safe. And on yep. a somewhat similar note, Google Maps uh, made an update helping people find food that's available for takeout and delivery as uh, restaurants are trying to stay in business. So if you're looking to help support your local food chains or, or restaurants, check out Google Maps. There may be some extra info on there uh, so you can learn what is available for takeout. Yeah, companies are continually rolling out new stuff for the COVID-19 crisis. And other companies are actually still releasing products, kind of, I guess, most likely as they intended to though a lot of them have moved to online releases. For example, Canon is planning a virtual press conference. Uh, this is kind of in lieu of NAB because that obviously was going to be taking place about this time in Vegas and that got canceled. So that'll take place on April 20th. You can, I think it's going to be a live stream of some sorts. And we might see what, the R5 there, I'm guessing, or something I like that. I hope so. I would love to see the specs confirmed for that camera, like what exactly it's going to deliver. And yep. Per usual, I mean, I'm sure we'll get the announcement and then it will be released probably within maybe, one or two months. Maybe some more info on the 1D uh, Mark, what, 3 is it or Mark 2? I think it's the Mark 3. Mark, Mark 3, yeah. Yeah. So that will be interesting. I know the Olympics aren't happening this summer, so, you know, they're not really going to be used for that, but it'll still most likely be coming out summer and be shipping sometime then. So tune in for that. We might do a bonus podcast uh, if that looks like it was really interesting. So maybe watch for that next week. Next up uh, for new products, we saw Rode expand its wireless Go lineup. This isn't, unfortunately, too exciting. Basically, what you got is some new colors. You got it in white. So I know I have a friend who shoots weddings. And one of his big reasons he wasn't getting this is because, you know, all right, it works for the groom. But then if you put a black, you know, little microphone box on someone, you know, the bride who's wearing a white dress kind of stands out. So right. now you can get it in white. And actually, actually, they sell a pair where you get a black and white one. So you get one for the groom, one for the bride. And then they also came out with a magnetic clip called the MagClip Go. 
which allows you to put in places where you can't use the regular chip clip style clip on. And they also came out with an interview go, which basically is like the handle part of a handheld mic. You put the Rode wireless go transmitter on top and then a windscreen on top of that. And it kind of looks like a handheld microphone. So you can use it for doing wireless interviews. That's really nice. Does the white color convince you to get it now? I was I was thinking about it. I don't wear white clothing, but, you know, this microphone really does look compelling, versatile. It's using USB type C. I think I mean, it's so small. I mean, it's like you see the pictures of it like next to a quarter and it's like barely bigger than that. It really does seem nice. I think my current setup is pretty good. I just got the uh, 2i2. I ordered that. So I don't know if I need it right now, but this is the this is the wireless lab system I would probably go with uh, should I need one. And finally, moving on, the other new product we got was a product from the gimbal maker Feutech. Now, this is, I'm just going to say it, it's in a direct knockoff of the DJI Osmo Pocket. It's literally called the Pocket Handheld Gimbal Camera, which was kind of like they took the buzzwords from the Osmo Pocket and put it all into one. The only reason I'm really mentioning this is because it's actually cheaper than the Osmo Pocket, so that's always good. It's only $250 and, you know, all the same specs as the Osmo Pocket. It'll be interesting to see how the video quality actually compares, but yeah. If you were holding off on the Osmo Pocket because of the price, maybe this will be something for you. I think the other big thing with this device will be the software experience because that's another huge component of using a, a gimbal. The software has to be good along with the hardware to well, make and it. Well, DJI, DJI has really come a long way with their software and it's very good by now. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, we'll wait and see. Um, next, we're moving on to some software things. Uh, something interesting to me is Niantic is one of the top growing companies, uh, one of the top 500 fastest growing companies. They're the ones behind Pokemon Go. And I think this kind of parallels the release of the iPad Pro with that LiDAR sensor, where all of a sudden depth mapping and augmented reality could be taking huge steps forward. Uh, so quick news there. Something else, Dark Sky, a weather application was purchased by Apple. So we could be seeing this integrated into iOS 14. This is is interesting because that used to be an Android app is actually one of the most popular weather apps for Android. And it was a paid version. And so people who have that and have subscribed as of June, uh, you're going to be refunded and you no longer can use that. They're taking it off the Android store. Definitely a disappointment for Android users. Uh, What do you use for weather? Like, is this impacting you in any way? I use the stock weather app on apple and the weather channel oh my god there is i would recommend if you want a really beautiful one i think it's called medio or earth or something like that hold on let me scan over again again it's gonna look that up meet meteo earth m-e-t-e-o earth all one word and it's just a really beautiful like visualizations of like lightning strikes and all sorts of things around the earth uh that you can look at it's kind of yeah kind of a different thing from what you're used to and the final news in software, I saw this in a Morning Brew article, shout out to them, but there's this fun application called Botnet. And basically what it is, is a social network simulator where you are the only human along with a million bots who are obsessed with you. This is actually hilarious. Gabe and I just downloaded this. Gabe, do you want to share some of your top comments on a few of your posts? Well, I would just like to say I've already gotten 380,000 on the post I put up about us recording this podcast, 380,000 likes. So no big deal, whatever. I'm at 495,000 for my my post. That almost makes me feel worse than getting less likes on a post by actual people, because it's like, why are the bots liking your post more? Um, Yeah, I think this is actually really cool. And some of the comments are kind of random. But the weird thing I've noticed is reading the positive comments actually makes me feel good which is so messed up to like the fact that that's actually true but you know i know it's a bot but reading something like uh i was ready to die but this made my day thanks or oh he's got a crush on me or like this is so beautiful and it's like okay i know that's a bot but they have a little picture there they have a username it's like that's it tricks my mind into thinking that's a real person so i love you too Yeah, I think this is definitely worth giving a try, even just for fun. But also maybe, you know, if you need some positivity, you don't have to put any email or anything. Just put a name, put your picture and start posting stuff, whatever you want, and getting instantly hundreds of thousands of likes and random. You've got tons of fans. Uh, Yeah. Do you have any quick quotes? Like, what are these bots saying to you, Gabe? 
I no, I don't. There's so many comments because I'm, you know, I'm so popular with them. What can I say? Here's one. Here's one. I posted uh, about the podcast. This user says, or excuse me, this bot says, I have a pretty low key love that this is being talked about with so much passion. Well, thank you, Structure Jolie too. I appreciate uh, your fake comment on my post. And yeah. uh, last up, I'm really into cell phone plans. We have some news. Unfortunately, from the UK, people are burning down 5G cell towers and the government actually had to politely ask people to stop. And what's going on here? Uh, there's misinformation circulating with alarming popularity, in my opinion, that 5G towers are causing the coronavirus. Fact yeah, check. I, I, I've no. heard this too. What like how what this is just, this is kind of like the whole vaccines causing autism thing it's a lot of causality right where people see one thing happening at the same time another thing's happening you know with vaccines oftentimes those happen around the same time that a child who has autism is getting to the point where you can start seeing signs of it so this is the same thing in that coronavirus is happening at the same time that 5g towers are being put up i'm not saying we know everything about 5g yet and that it couldn't be some health effects but Come on, people, let's let's take a chill pill. Yeah, let's understand what a virus is and what causes it. Yeah, this is it's ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, speaking and, of things traveling in the air, like okay, radio waves, I definitely had. No, I actually didn't have any segue planned, so I guess that's going to be better than what I had planned. Uh, yeah, drone news. We have finally rounding off our quick news segment. First up, DJI Mavic Air 2 is official in that we now know that that's what it's going to be called. The drone uh, passed through FCC clearance, so that basically means we'll likely see it in about a month. That's traditionally when we see a product pass through the FCC. It's usually coming out within a month. It could be even sooner, maybe you know next week or two, which would line up with the fact that NAB was happening around this time or supposed to be happening. So keep an eye out for that on DJI. I'm very excited about that. And finally, about the similar uh, time as maybe that that will be released, we'll be seeing the Autel Evo 2 that... 8K drone or the 6K Pro version of that drone could possibly be shipping out. Right now, B&H on their website, even though Autel hasn't said anything, B&H has a ship date for the entry-level $1,500 model. That's the 8K version with a smaller sensor uh, for April 20th. They, I've seen them oftentimes push this back. I don't know. What do you think? I, think I mean, honestly, this is still up in the air, in my opinion, because wasn't this supposed to be coming out like January? And then oh, they I think it Feb February originally. Then it got pushed back like a month March, now. April. Yeah, I, I, I mean, the, until the it's thing, out, like, I don't the know. The thing is, we did actually get some real specs. I mean, not real specs, real prices for this. So we got 1500, of course, for that 8K entry level model. It's going to be 1800 for the pro version, which is seems very expensive, but it actually is about what the DJI Mavic 2 was before they uh, cut that down pro version. I think it was at one point it was like $1,739. So kind of similar. Both of them will also come uh, in a bundle for $200 extra, which includes the traditional like two extra batteries, car charger, uh, multi-charger, and in really uh, good addition, it is actually a hard case that it includes. So that's really that's nice. nice. Yeah. The, the soft cases do have me a little bit worried sometimes. They can be lighter to some degree, but I think you do want to put those kinds of drones in a hard case. Yep. And uh, so yeah, so keep an eye out for that. Finally, actually, I realized. Wait, I wait, wait. Was there, was there a 6K version of that? Do we know? Yeah, the, the, six, the 6K version is 1500. Or no, okay. sorry. The 6K version is. 1800 so that's the, the more expensive one yes yeah, i mean 15, this this goes back to that argument like the resolution of the camera doesn't in, in, uh, in indicate the quality of the camera so the 6k is better than the exactly 8K. yeah we, i mean you had initial testers only testing out the 8k versions and pretty much all around people were saying that the footage was yeah it was high resolution but it fell apart pretty quickly as far as colors you know and it wasn't really that good of quality We'll see what happens once they actually start sending out the 6K version for tests. But yeah, I mean, or, I or shipping just, them at all. <laughs> yeah, right. Let's let's see this actually get into someone's hands. Actually, who bought this rather than just right, press right. units. Gabe, what and what else do we have? What's the I realized I skipped news? over a segment uh, was uh, one category we were going to talk about was streaming news. You know, a lot of people are at home doing nothing or working from home and having more time to watch stuff instead of going to movies or other things. So streaming has been big. And Disney Plus actually passed 50 million subscribers. This is huge. Are, are you one of them? 
I am not one of them. No. Oh, Stetson, what are you doing with your life? I have good friends who are Disney Plus subscribers, and okay. we've watched all the current episodes of The Mandalorian. So now I have no need for Disney Plus until the fall when the more episodes of The Mandalorian come out. Yeah. Well, I mean, they are going to be putting out some new episodes of other stuff. But yeah, it, to put it in context, 50 million subscribers, uh, 167 million is how many Netflix has, I'm pretty sure, around the world or something about there. So roughly three times. But Considering Disney Plus, what came out, uh, what I think four or five months ago, right? Yeah, that's huge growth. And Netflix has been out for so long at this point. I mean, that's exactly. Just, and I don't know if Disney Plus makes it more challenging to share your login credentials or what they're doing with that. But I do know. I think people are just sharing Netflix accounts, so that could yeah. potentially well, I think skew. Netflix literally has users, so you can log in with different people. Oh, I guess that's true. So they they're encouraging it. I don't know what Disney does in that regard. Uh, but I'm pretty sure they have something similar. And if all those streaming services aren't good for you, you know, you want something really new. Quibi is finally out. Now, yeah, it's here. What What is Quibi? Have you signed up for it? I signed up for Quibi. I saw it. I saw the hype around it. I gave it a shot. And I think to summarize, it is professionally produced shows that come out on a daily basis that are 10 minutes or less. And that's yeah, the, that's the yeah, idea. Exactly. They're short shows. It's kind of like, you know, instead of because usually they come out like weekly television shows is what we're used to. And right, they'd be 30 minutes long, sometimes 40 minutes long, depending on what type. This is basically taking that, you know, that 30 minute episode saying, all right, you're going to get one every weekday. Boom, divided by five. There's six minute episodes every weekday. It's kind of cool. What is really interesting about it is they actually edit it for both vertical and horizontal. So if you flip it vertical, the text will, you know, display in the right orientation vertically and, you know, it will be edited. So the person's in the center of the frame and then it cuts over to the other person when that part like it is really. And if you, you know, flip in between vertical and horizontal, it's seamless. So really good job there. I, I tried watching stuff vertically, though. I could you do it? It made me sick. Honestly. I, I That's how I felt. I couldn't do it. Yeah. I was like this. I'm uncomfortably close I, I to this kept person. To, I kept trying to look around the frame. I know it. Like, it just we're not vertically oriented we have two no. eyes we have a horizontal view like i need it yes. landscape yeah so i mean i think that works on like tiktok right because that's the format but trying to do a tv show which is slower cuts longer you know that we've gotten used to seeing on a horizontal thing is just yeah it's weird i could I, I would recommend uh i currently went through two shows on there flipped is one kind of comedy show starring uh caitlin olsen and will forte kind of a funny thing and then they actually brought back punked that, you know, that show where they prank celebrities. And that's uh, with Chance the Rapper as the host. There you go. Do you think you'll keep your Quibi subscription after the 90 day? Free yeah, they're trial? given 90 day free trial. I would also say well, when you sign up for that, they, you know, they have an ad free version for $7.99 a version with ads for $4.99. Sign up for the ad free version because it's still free for 90 days. Why would you watch ads for 90 days? Oh, no. oh, my God. You're so right. And then yeah. just cancel it. So then you or, exactly. or like switch. Yeah, that's. Oh, man, I was watching ads and I was like, this yeah, is terrible. Right? They try to trick you into that. And I realized what? Wow, that's really, really clever of them. But also, you know, just easily tap down to the other one and you're good to go. Boom. I love it. All right. Yeah. Moving on. We have a segment called Go Review, where one of us asks the other person to go out in the world, review something, product, service, experience, what have you. Two weeks ago, I gave Gabe the option to review Google Stadia, which he had just purchased or yep. possibly a meal kit service, maybe Blue Apron or Hello Fresh or, or something like that. Uh, Gabe, what did you end up reviewing and what do you have to share with us? Well, my Google Stadia is still in the box, so <laughs> I probably will not be reviewing that right no, now. So this is a review of the Google Stadia box. Yeah, it comes in. It's, it's a little, you know, not too heavy. It looks nice, white box. It, you can set it down and it responds to gravity and stays there. Now, uh, yeah, I will be, of course... Uh, providing a review of some meal subscription service boxes or whatever you want to call them. Uh, because I think during this time, they are actually really valuable because you can't go out to restaurants, you know? I mean, when's the last time? Do you even remember the last time you went to a restaurant? We ordered takeout, I think, two weeks ago. You can do takeout, yes. But I mean, you can't go out to a restaurant and yeah, you know, it's, uh, grab it's lunch. It's kind of sad. Or... I feel bad. It, it's a whole new experience. People, I'm sure, are learning how to cook at home. And I mean, is this a good way to do that? Do you do you think these help you learn how to cook? 
Well, I think beyond that, this is a really good way to try something new, right? That's yeah. the thing I love most about a restaurant. I know it's good to go to your favorite restaurant, get your favorite meal. But the thing I really like about a restaurant value is trying something new, right? You're put into an vi- environment where there's a new menu, possibly, or they, maybe they changed the menu. You've already been to the restaurant before. And this is like that in that every week, you know, depending on which service you subscribe to, you get, you know, different options to choose from. If you're vegetarian like me, you get significantly less options, but you still with, you know, uh, ones like HelloFresh or Green Chef, they're giving you possibly, you know, four or five options. Actually, I think I should I should go through the different ones that are out there kind of. Yeah, sure. What like what's out there and then what did you end up signing up for or trying out? So there's there's probably I would say more than you can count on your all your fingers and all your toes as far as how many plans are out there. And different companies because it's a very you know new space and a lot of ones are starting up trying to get into it. So the biggest ones though are HelloFresh and Green Chef, which are both owned by, owned by the same company. There is Blue Apron, there is Home Chef, there is Sun Basket, and then there's this vegan one, Purple Carrot, and then there's also I think Plated and Amazon has their own one. Wow! And then also there's also one by Martha Stewart too. There's I, a I lot. Didn't, Tons I didn't of look variety. into. I couldn't. I couldn't look into all of them. I'm sorry, guys. Sure. I, I only had. I only had two weeks. This would be overwhelming for sure. Yep. Did you notice differences between them in terms of like what they were offering or what dis- like what distinguished between the different services in in your opinion? So I would say, okay, HelloFresh and Green Chef, obviously owned by the same company now, very similar. Green Chef basically cuts up stuff more and is a little quicker to prepare. I would say those are my I found in my experience and my testing probably the best two to start with. They are rel- decently affordable, very competitive as far as pricing and they're offer meals that, you know, some you can get some plans out there that are really crazy meals that like really experimental, but you know, you're going to more often hit a meal that you don't like. Sure. These are more likely to give you meals that yeah, they might push the limit of like what you might have tried or, you know, different things, but they're Generally, they're not too extreme and not too, you know, trying out of the box stuff. Right. That's yeah. So I would I would say go with that. And for all these, you know, if you have a friend that uses one of them, get a code from them or look online and you can get either like free meals, you know, like out of like if you do three weeks of plans, it will give you like a two free boxes or something like that or like $80 off. There's there's so many different promotions. They're that's trying a, that's to do. a great tip. I mean, these companies are looking to grow and typically they offer some kind of promo or trial or referral program. So talk exactly. to someone who has it. That's a great or idea. Just create a new account every like four weeks and always get a discount <laughs> with your 50 email addresses. Yeah, exactly. So moving on, uh, Blue Apron is the next probably most popular one, I would say. It's definitely got brand recognition of HelloFresh and Blue Apron. They're both the only two that are listed uh, listed on the stock exchange and you know publicly traded companies. I personally was not very enamored with Blue Apron. This might be because I'm vegetarian and they don't have good vegetarian options, but I also found that the menus and recipes weren't necessarily the most easy to follow personally. Interesting. And do you think this was because they were doing more complex recipes or the instructions just weren't as well laid out and yeah, that's, communicated? Yeah, that's the thing is that they weren't more complex necessarily. They just weren't as, you know, laid out for someone who this was the first time going through the recipe, right? Once you knew how to cook it, okay, yeah, you could, you know, you, all right, yeah, I know what to do. It has all the stuff that I need to know, but it just wasn't laid out in a way that was easy going through for the first time. So that was personally, I would, I mean, if you want to try it, give it a try, but I didn't really like that. Home Chef is a new one that came out. I actually have not tried it. My sister tried it and she had very positive reviews for it because it's kind of, it's this new one that's addressing all the you know issues that people had with old ones one thing for example is like say uh hello fresh has a meal that i wanted but i'm vegetarian and i would like to swap out you know tofu or some fake meat in or you know if you don't eat red meat and there's a meal with red meat and you want to put like a fish or chicken you can actually do that with uh home chef you can swap it out say oh i'll I'll do this meal with chicken it might add like a dollar extra or something for that meal but hey it's it's a really cool thing i really like that yeah, right. It's a it's a good thing for people who are trying to, you know, control what they eat. Uh, that opens up proteins. your options, too, for being a vegetarian. You can just, boom, sub in tofu or sub in yep. another protein source there and you're ready to go. Exactly. And they also ship stuff uh, all cut up pretty much. So if you, you know, you're going to have sweet potatoes, boom, it's all diced and everything like I you love need that. it. Right. So much quicker. 
And the menus come in this nice little folder that is really, you know, usually I am using the on my phone anyways, but it's nice to have the physical recipes sometimes too. Sure. What what qualities do you think make a good meal kit service? I think uh, definitely one is how they come. That was actually one thing I didn't like about Blue Apron is rather than each ingredient being packaged into like a paper bag for that one meal, they all kind of came loose, sprinkled out in like grouped together as far as like here's the dairy oh, here's wow. the veg right it wasn't as or if it was it wasn't as like HelloFresh is really nice because they come in a paper bag it says the name of the recipe on it all right you go this is the one i need for this one grab it out all the stuff you need is in there yeah it's just very well done and you know i think that's the big thing is making it so it's easy to f- see what the ingredients are easy to get them out of the box into your fridge when you receive it and then once you take them upstairs or take them to wherever your kitchen is, you know, all right, now I have it here ready to go. Uh, grab the recipe. The recipe, you know, has to be somewhat easy to follow because it's usually your first time cooking through it. So ni- nice pictures are good and, you know, well laid out, like highlighting the words that you need to see. Oh, here's where this ingredient is used. Here's where this one is used. And so, yeah, that's I mean, personally, that's why I would recommend either Home Chef, Green Chef or HelloFresh, most likely. I hate how they all use some combination of the same words. That's, it can really make it confusing that. to distinguish yep. between the two or the three in this case. I would say for people who are looking for something a bit more out of the box, no pun intended, uh, potentially look at Sunbasket. They're definitely a little more premium quality, uh, but they offer, you know, when I last, I haven't used them for a while, but when I was using them, they, you know, keto, gluten free. Like literally anything you have. I mean, it was really good for me. I could do vegetarian stuff. They even had vegan stuff, which I, if if this people like me out there also take a look at this company, Purple Carrot, which just only does vegan meals and actually works with Tom Brady to have the TB12 diet uh, plan that you can subscribe to. Do. So, yeah, those are those are the two specialty ones to look at. But otherwise, yeah, definitely, you know, ask your friends what they use, get a referral code from them, sign up, get some free meals. And actually, if if you use a friend's referral code, they'll get like 25 bucks uh, credit added on. So it's a win win for both of you. And it's yeah, this is really a good time to try it because we're all at home. Not I, I heard yesterday Americans eat or spend 50 percent of their money on food eating out or like eating food from takeout. Wow. So imagine now we're no longer eating out as far as like going to the restaurants, you know, going out for lunch when we're at work and stuff. You have potentially a lot of money that you could just yeah spend at the grocery store i know we're all trying to cut back because you know the economy's time. doing great yeah right <laughs> but this is a good way to treat yourself as far as like look at it as you're going out you are also they're generally pretty healthy meals so you're eating a little healthier potentially and it it's reducing how many times you need it's to fun to you're learning store. something new it could be a great bonding relationship thing with your yeah learn learn partner. you can hold on to the recipes after and you can cook them you know without having to buy the meal plans right i do think i mean there's obviously a markup so the companies can make money so it they add convenience they give you something new to try out and it's fun so i guess the final question is after you've tried out these different services will you continue to subscribe to one or the other and you know what what are you doing going forward well what i've actually done is i've stayed subscribed to two of them interesting personally yeah it's right now it's HelloFresh and green chef uh, like i said unfortunately those are so similar and because they're owned by the same company uh, but they also deviously, what I don't like is they make it super hard to unsubscribe and that you have to actually call in. So that's one really annoying thing. And it, it's obviously worked on me, though, too, because I haven't unsubscribed from them yet. And I've unsubscribed from the other ones I was using. But I'll probably move over to Home Chef and HelloFresh or something like that, because I find having two is good because you can look ahead. You know, they usually give you about five weeks out of, of meals. And you can choose which ones you like, which ones you don't like. Uh, you know, if one only has meals that you don't really like one week and other ones have more exciting options, recipes, you can go to that one. So that's really what I find is the best thing. It gives you more options for meals. And then also, yeah, sign up for a new one and get that discount. Sure. Great. Gabe, thank you so much for your Go review. This is something I'd be interested in trying. I, I really want you to try it because you're gluten-free pretty much, right? I am entirely gluten-free, yes. Yeah. I, so I would like to yeah. see you try one of the... I mean, this isn't the Go review, but I mean, I'd just be interested. 
to see you try one of them because I'd like to see how good the recipes actually are potentially. Yeah, I mean, there there's so many limitations. Uh, you know, shout out to anyone else who's following a gluten-free diet or, or living with someone who is. It really does kind of restrict the some of the staple meals like pasta, can't have that, or like burger buns, things like that. Uh, but I've enjoyed it. So I'd be interested to try that out. Maybe when I move into a new apartment, I'm thankful to be at home with some amazing chefs here already. So I'm thankful for that. But I will be re-listening to this segment and consulting your advice when I eventually sign up. Gabe, do you have a product or service for me to go out and review these next couple of weeks for the next episode? You know, I don't really. I'm actually pulling a blank here. I forgot to write this down. Okay. Uh, however, can... okay. No, 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 no. We're not gonna we're not gonna push it off. I think you should review Stadia because okay. you gave that to me and I did not review it. I will give you an alternative so we can keep pushing the Stadia <laughs> review and never be a gaming podcast. You know, we can just, that'll be forever. The running our, joke. Yeah, is we never review Stadia. Uh, I will also give you uh, the Galaxy. I don't think I asked you to review it yet. You have now the Galaxy S20 and the S20 Ultra, do you have? Or? I have the S20 and the S20 Plus in house, okay, along yeah. with the S10. Yeah, I want to get a review of those phones because. Those are really well specced, and they have uh, sensors on the back are some that we're going to see in pretty much all the phones from Android coming out this year, as well as they have that new, what is the Snapdragon processor? I think it's the 865. Yeah, yeah, 865, which we'll see in the OnePlus 8 coming up uh, this next tomorrow. week. Tomorrow. Tomorrow. Yeah, yeah coming up really soon. Gabe, so thank unless, you. unless yep. you want to buy the OnePlus and try to get that by next time, I want to see <laughs> the review for the S20. Sure. Thank you for that advice. I'll definitely get on with it with my go review and yeah. i think that brings us to the main topic of the episode the podcast yes getting into it uh we were just talking about cell phones so you know i personally actually didn't get to this thought via cell phones i got to it because of the new ipad pro interesting in that i was looking at it and you know we talked on the past episode about how the processor technically isn't really a different processor it's than basically the, previous. the same it's yeah, pretty much identically the same processor, just like slightly more efficient. You know, the Magic Keyboard works on the old 2018 iPad Pro, so that's really not new. The array of cameras on the back, yeah, the LiDAR is kind of cool, but there's no really instant advantage to people other than that it works better with the measuring tool. And the wide-angle camera, who? how many people take pictures with the back camera? Yeah, let me know? go out adventure photography. Gonna shoot yeah. some wildlife with my big iPad. No, I mean, it's, it's yeah, thank you for that great Australian impression. Yeah, you're welcome. Just uh, wanted to bring that into the show. But I don't think even, you know, someone who, like, yeah, no, there's let's, no let's way. Let's be real. People use it for document scanning, and yeah. there's that one oddball person who's at, like, a concert, an event, and yeah. they just... <laughs> Up in the air with the iPad. Block everyone's screen. Blocking everyone's view. view. Just yeah. what are they doing? So, so yeah. yeah. So I thought that this really was just a why did they release it type thing. I did, however, find a, see an article actually just today that was saying that they likely were planning on releasing a better version. However, some manufacturing delays uh, with the, you know, the COVID-19 breakout in China and stuff meant that they couldn't get the micro LED screens ready for it. And so as a result, they pushed off that update to possibly in the fall when they're going to be releasing a new version, which will have the U1 chip, which is this new chip that Apple put in that basically does better location tracking in like as far as you can hold up the camera, look around the room and it could show you where your iPhone is. For example, if you have the iPhone 11 Pro and that it will have that new micro LED screen and basically this will the one in the fall is going to be the better one. But they released this one now so that they could put a LiDAR sensor out there uh, for the iPhone 12 pro which will be coming out in the fall that is probably going to have one so this whole minor step upward sparked the idea the question of what like what was the question you had in mind well i just got tired of you know we we seem to expect every year there's going to be a new product coming out a new phone a new i mean phones i guess are the most they're the biggest offenders of this right oh yeah i mean one plus sauces out basically two phones a year we have the samsung two phones a year oh samsung does like 36 phones a year oh yeah true the a the cheaper a models exactly there's different versions of that and then tons of redesigns i was looking at lg phones i mean it's ridiculous and the naming scheme is so complicated too 
right? So yeah. here we have the LG V60 Thin Q, the Q51, the W10 Alpha, the K61, the K51S, the V50S Thin Q 5G. Like, what is happening? So My many names, hurts. so many phones. You can't even track the differences between, yeah, uh, between them. So, so I think what the big thing is is. I heard I forget I think I was listening to some podcast or a YouTube video and someone mentioned something about how companies are now not really innovating as much with their products and not using that to dr- to drive their refresh cycle instead it's more pushing you know n- slight feature upgrades and trying to sell that as something that people need in order to drive profits so profits for companies are now instead of being driven by innovation are driven just by you know trying to just purely get consumers to buy their product I agree with that. I was reflecting on it and I think the most like some of the features and improvements are almost entirely software based for new products and devices. One of the examples that comes to my mind is the Apple Watch Series 4. When that came out, sure, it had a new design and was probably one of the newest generations of Apple Watches, but it had new watch faces that for no reason weren't offered on the older devices. I mean, that's just a software thing. And the same is true with uh, a lot of camera features, in my opinion, like the iPhone XR could do a wide angle portrait mode shot using that single lens. This feature wasn't available on the iPhone X, which had the same camera. So I don't know. I think companies are using software to distinguish between models. And Samsung actually did this, too, with their line. Well, I mean, just to interrupt quickly, I could get how it doesn't work because maybe processing or something. Well, they, but... the phones, those two phones have the same processor. Yeah, but I that's... mean, to some yeah. degree, you're right. Like you need a powerful chip to like take multiple photos, merge and stitch them together, get the depth data and create that that depth map to get the portrait effect. Uh, but I mean, yeah, it's they're just using software to which create... Actually, you know, speaking of which, the iPad Pro, the new one, doesn't have portrait mode. Wait, what? Despite having a LiDAR scanner and a wide-angle camera. What are they doing? Mode. Yeah, right? See, it's... that's why you need the iPhone. Okay, here, here we have the Samsung devices. So the S7, key new features. I had to Google these. You could have new custom app shortcuts on the lock screen, like that software feature. You can move <laughs> multiple apps at once, software. Uh, choose to show all apps on the home screen like an iPhone. Um, that's also like what? Wow, that Software. takes a lot of processing power. And they had the new Task Edge on the Galaxy S7 Edge model. Again, trying to make that uh, Edge model special just with a software gimmick. S8, yeah. uh, similar kind of, they had Bixby. Like that's also, you. You maybe you need a, a processor to... The, so the question would be, I think, and, I, and we kind of started this at the beginning of the episode is like, if this was the last, if like, for example, someone said to you, your iPhone 11 that you have, is that what you're using now? Kind of, I'm or? using the iPhone 10s still. I think it's way okay, better. 10s. All right. That way I'm using the 10s Max as well. So if someone said to you, this is the last phone you get. And just instead of, you know, in three years, you get a new phone as far as you get iPhone 12 or whatever. If you just go buy another one, you know, it breaks. Oh, got to get it repaired. Or, oh, got to get it replaced. And maybe it has a, like a slight upgrade, but it's still just you're going to go get an iPhone. Right? Yeah, How, yeah like, I mean, it's true. It's kind of it like blew my mind just thinking about that. And I think that shows just how bought and sold we are into this idea of the yearly refresh cycle, especially concerning phones. But even considering like, you know, what if you had an Xbox and eight years later, you know, you're finally broke or something and you went and bought a new one. And it was still just called the Xbox and it looked kind of the same, pretty much the same, uh, you know, had maybe slightly better features and stuff, but nothing really different. Right. I don't know. I think the Xbox isn't a great example for this particular generation. Yeah, they do. They do have gaming systems. I mean, this is going to be a huge leap forward. Uh, But let's go back to the phones like uh, cell phones, tablets and computers. We're using the iPhone XS series and like the differences between the 10s and the 11 this year are basically cameras and processor and the processor is just processing the image better from the camera sensor and like the only difference that gets me is the camera app has a new user interface in the new phones that they just didn't update the old phones to have like that's i don't know that's silly to me i guess all yeah, right my I, question like if this is the last generation of smartphones ever released like would you be okay with that do you feel like you need a new phone it kind of, it almost like takes a weight off my chest, doesn't it? Like thinking about that, like, oh, all right, I have the best phone that there's going to be. What, oh my you know, 
Gabe, I would save like a thousand dollars a year. Well, it it takes away this kind of like it's imagine it's almost like a rat running in a wheel, right? You always want to have the latest and greatest. Exactly. And if they keep coming out with something that's always latester and greatester, you're never going to reach that cheese on the string at the other side of the wheel. You, know? you just have it for one year at a time and then boom, outdated. It's really. Yeah. And, and even that, and even now, right, you buy the iPhone 11 Pro, there's other new phones coming out that are slightly outdating it. Or then there's rumors of the new iPhone. Like it's. Yeah, I really it it does kind of create this sense of, you know, oh, gosh, you know, what's going to be the next thing? Am I am I up to the latest thing? And it would be kind of nice if a company could come out and somehow manage to still be profitable while also basing their releases off. All right, we're going to release a new phone, not because it's September and that's when our babies do every year, you know, but that we are going to release a new phone because we feel that this is a significantly newer phone and better phone, you know, and, and we're just going to release it now, you know, two years, two and a half years, whatever. What, what would make a phone newer and better in your opinion? Like, aren't we already at peak smartphone? Like, is there a way for phones to even improve in such a significant way that well, that's, that's the, the thing, right? I mean, sure. You could, people always go like, I think of this with drones, for example, Right. Because people go, you know, all right, the the drone specs of like, you know, Mavic 2 Pro, okay, 4K, 30, and, you know, 30-minute battery life. And people go, oh, if, it, if it come out and DJI, release something with 4K 60 or, you know, 6K video. And like they keep just throwing out better specs and stuff. But, I mean, better specs are good. But, you know, if you're just chasing that, you know, it's not really, you know, really innovation, I feel like right sure it's just like a spec increase and that kind of goes back yeah. to the phones new specs new software features and that's it i think the two defining maybe three defining phones we've had have been the galaxy fold the galaxy z flip and the motorola razor those are basically category defining devices right and the other but, phones are just even that glass sandwiches i feel like they're not they haven't reached the point of innovation too yeah, it's, right. it's basically like throw the coolest bleeding edge tech possible into a device, but have no good user experience. Yeah, the, like, the, like the specs are, instead of like specs being like camera increase, processor increase, it's oh, okay, we changed the phone screen, like how it folds. That actually, to me, brings up a really good point. I feel some companies just sell the spec sheet. Like this phone is epic because we're hitting these insane specs, where I feel the real value in a phone comes from the user experience. What, what it's like using the phone on a daily basis. What little features make the phone better and more fun or seamless to use. And in this sense, I actually think, uh, like two companies as an example, I think Google has been heavily emphasizing their software experience to sell their phones. Or a company like Huawei or even Samsung to some degree has been more focused on the specs without necessarily taking into consideration uh, how to create a well-rounded experience with the software. And like to point something out, like Google has a, a back gesture that I love. You can just swipe in from the edge and it'll take you back. You don't have to reach down and touch the back button. And like having an underneath the display fingerprint reader is the latest bleeding edge tech that Samsung's putting in their phones. But I don't think it provides a better experience because it takes longer to unlock. You have to find it. There's no tactile feedback. A phone as old as the Pixel 3a, in my opinion, is just better. Like you can feel the fingerprint reader. You're unlocking your phone faster. Still takes amazing pictures. And I think it's just what, like a great. Was the experience. other company you were going to say Apple? I think yeah, Apple also does a really good job with the software. But to some degree, I think. I don't know. Like, what's your take? Are they too slow to implement well, features? What or? I was going to say is I, why I thought those companies, specifically the Android companies that you mentioned, as well as even a lot of Windows laptop manufacturers really focus oh, on yeah. specs is because they that's the only thing they really have to focus on because that's what differentiates them. You know, with yeah. Apple, they're the only hardware maker of iPhones and they make all the software, right? It's their their thing completely. With Android phones, it's all, you know, and runs the Android operating system. They pretty much use all the same components as far as processors and stuff. So the really only different thing is like, all right, we're going to put a better camera in. 
we're going to put some gimmicky like flip up thing that you know when you slide up it does this and takes thousand pictures and puts them together and does some cool like it's all about the gimmick with them uh because they're essentially very similar phones on pretty much all aspects yeah exactly i think apple's one of the few companies i feel like with their products they can occasionally change how i fundamentally use a device the biggest example that i can think of is on their laptops or computers the unlock with your apple watch where all of a sudden you can unlock your laptop just by opening the lid having your Apple Watch on and boom, you're unlocked, you're on your desktop. And like, this is a feature very, if any, I don't even think any other companies can do this. But it, like, it changed yeah, how you use, you never have to enter your password anymore. Like that's, that to me is focusing on the user experience and creating something simple, but also like different. The question I have though, is does now playing devil's advocate to myself, sure. does a yearly refresh cycle and the constant drive to just put out you know try all right let's throw up a bunch of stuff whatever hits the wall sticks and then if we get feedback from the users that they didn't like it then we'll get rid of that thing but at least releasing a product every year will keep our revenue up and will drive us to do more r&d and stuff so it's kind of like if imagine you had to uh every you know every month you had to paint a really good painting and tr and try to sell it to someone and you had to convince them that this painting was better than the last painting you sold rather than just whenever you finished a painting, it was ready, right? You, so this is, all right, I'm going to, this painting, I'm going to try. Maybe let's do some 3D modeling art, bring it out. And then, you you know, you sell it and people are like, oh, I didn't like this. I didn't like the colors. All right, well, we're going to try new colors. We're going to try, right? And so it, it's almost like you're, it, they're forcing themselves every year to push forward and really innovate by just doing whatever it does, not really examining is this actually true innovation? It's just, we're just going to do something different, anything to different, uh, differentiate this from the previous model. And hopefully consumers like it. If they don't, well, we'll get rid of it and we'll keep what they do. I think that's a great point, Gabe. I feel a lot of phone manufacturers are making something every year that's different, but not necessarily better. Like they're not yeah. focusing, again, just on that user experience. Like what is the best unlock method? Why doesn't every phone just have that at this point? Like what's the optimal shape or screen to body ratio or display, I don't know, resolution or, you know, they're just making things different, tweaking the camera layout on the back, like adding in different colors to differentiate the phone so you can see them. But I don't, they're not making them better. You know, I yeah, think I've, re I've really noticed this, I think, with the GoPro because yeah, whereas most people generally won't own you know, a new phone, every generation of a phone, because they're getting now so expensive. I've pretty much actually bought every generation of the GoPro since the GoPro 3 Plus, I think. So what, what has made the GoPros worth buying every year versus something like a phone? Like, what are they doing differently? Well, for me, A, they're cheaper. So they're only usually like three, 400. That's a it's a, lot it's a lot easier to make that cost back in, you know, the what you can get from using it in like freelance filmmaking or just making videos for YouTube and stuff. But I think it's interesting looking back on them I, now in the past, like, yeah, when the new one comes out, I'm like, oh, this is so much better, so much greater, right? They're, this new feature, this new feature, like you're saying some stuff that you feel like they could make work on the older ones, but they obviously don't want to because why would they do that, you know? And so looking back, like the GoPro 5 introduced a completely new design, for, exa for example, uh, it was not the best GoPro necessarily, but it did a new design. The GoPro 6 and 7 were, you know, slightly, you know, larger spec bumps. GoPro 6 actually was pretty bad in hindsight. GoPro 7 was slightly better, you know, new UI, better touchscreen, but really not that good. GoPro 8, like it's, it's like slight new evolutions and iterations of the camera. But if you would think, hey, maybe they just cut out the GoPro 6 and 7 and just went from the GoPro 5 to 8. And, you know, and took three, four years to come out with a new one, right? And then, boom, that's what they did. That seems like it would be a lot, lot better experience overall. But then again, they wouldn't move all those GoPros and sell all, all those GoPros that they did during that, you know, intervening three years. Yeah, I think that becomes a question of almost the economics of a company because releasing a product drives sales. People are looking to upgrade. Uh, basically, I want to say at least every two years, just based on battery degradation alone. 
your like your battery life True. decreases. That, that's actually something to bring up with a battery powered device. Yeah. Yeah. I mean that. I mean that's basically why people upgrade. Oh, the new phone's out. It's better. My battery life is decreasing. Instead of replacing the battery, maybe I'll just get the new one. And you get to be on the bleeding edge for a year, and then you know you get that new battery. So I don't know. I think. Do you, do you think this is all like the the idea of numbers with a product? You think that's a real indication of the whole like systemic thing that we've gotten into here? What like, do you mean by that? Like the the fact that we have the iPhone 11 and iPhone 12 is coming out next year and then the right the, the fact it really differentiated by numbers versus like a MacBook just calling it the MacBook Air. Sure. And people know that this is the whatever year edition. I that's actually a good point. Like you have a MacBook Air, oh okay, like people aren't as interested in oh what year is it from? you know yeah and i think you know if you need a new one it you you get a new one because your old computer basically stops working i had people i worked at a fix-it shop people would come in with the new i think at the time it was the iphone 10s and have an, a laptop from 2012 like the 2012 macbook pro like right like, like buy a new laptop this is so slow and old and outdated um but they had they put the money towards a new phone and i don't know i think that's a good point like the name, the the stigma, the status symbol behind having a new device, I think is almost the brilliance of the marketing strategy of the companies. But um, it's almost to our our downfall, our downside. Like, yeah, it's really definitely not thinking. It's not putting consumer experience first. Yeah, it's just making something new, putting it out there, um, looking at of, us like little piggy banks. Yeah, I mean, even with let's take the Galaxy Fold. Samsung, it doesn't seem like they didn't do user testing or like do focus groups or whatever. Like they made a device and tested it with robots and then it instantly broke when it got in the hands of people like that. That shouldn't happen, in my opinion, that they should have tested that, let people use it or fold it. Um, and I don't know, maybe and there's something about basically, the basically a, a, a beta product that they said, all right, well, let's see how many people buy it so we can get more money to fund more R&D. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But. And I mean, what about even cameras? I was thinking, you know, like, so the fact that I mean, GoPros are more yearly, but, you know, something like the 5D uh, Mark IV and then there's a 5D Mark V coming out around the corner, possibly. Those seem a bit more innovation based in that they are prioritizing a little more user experience, but also it does seem very heavily spec driven. Uh, however, I would say cameras are kind of they are spec driven. Like that's that's the whole point. That's yeah, most a bit the point. True, I guess it. Yeah, you're doing them to produce some. Oh, you know, it's like, do you care about the user experience of a paintbrush, or the fact that the brush, you know, the bristles don't fall out and it does a, you know, carries the paint well, you know, right? And I think to some degree that is the user experience of a paintbrush, like the ergonomic feel, the quality true, of the I guess, products. I guess how, how easy it is to produce good footage, right? Would be sure. the for the cameras, or camera. even the button layout, the way it feels in your yep. hand. Um, I think a flop was the EOS R. It had a like a touch sensitive sliding control input on the back, and that was a disaster. Like people really didn't like that. Yeah. Um, but we'll see what happens with the new one. But I think to counter your point, cameras are like the best example of this because I feel generation to generation, there are the biggest leaps in camera improvements. And we can take, we talked about the 1DX Mark II to the 1DX Mark III. Like there's going to be huge spec improvements uh, that are kind of going to change the game for that camera in terms of the creative potential it has. Do you think it's odd, but it seems like products under like 1500, like kind of more consumer focused products are the ones that generally fall into this category of be being driven by, uh, you know, yearly release cycle, slight iterations, you know, no real innovation from product generation to product generation. Whereas more professional products, we mentioned laptops, like higher end computers, you know, professional cameras, like, you know, the 1DX, you know, the Nikon D8500, stuff like that, or 850, sorry. Um, and, you know, cinema cameras, stuff like that seems more driven. And even drones, look at like Inspire 2 and stuff, how long that's been out versus the Mavic line, right? Sure. And how quickly they're putting out new things there. So it seems like professional stuff, because it's a bigger investment, they know people aren't going to be as keen to buying a new one unless they actually do a real serious job of making it a better product and actually worth the money yeah i mean let's let's go two extremes here let's take okay. mac pro that was updated yep. i think in 2013 and then it took seven years for apple well i guess it came out at the end of 2019 maybe 
So maybe six to seven years for them to come out with a new generation Mac Pro. And that's your $5,000 plus computer targeted towards yeah. pros. So they they really did a great job making that a generational leap forward, in my opinion. And we can go all the way to the opposite end of the spectrum. I'm just going to say like cereal boxes or snack food, right? Like how many times have you walked into a grocery store and seen like new look, same or great taste? Oreos. Right? Like they're coming out with a new flavor Oreo, but they're basically the same recipe. I mean, it's slight, slight different flavors are soda flavors, right? Yeah, they're just like special limited chip edition. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. And those are only a couple bucks, right? I don't know. People want to try the new thing that gets them to buy them, see if they like them now or uh, experience something new. And maybe the same could be for restaurants to some degree. I don't know. Maybe that's getting off topic. But yeah, I think I think think you're definitely right in that the more consumer focused a product is, the more they rely on consumerism versus actual innovation pros look towards and for innovation consumers just look on gimmicks as far as like the new thing yeah you know yeah so i think that's that's definitely true and actually i was thinking the you know we mentioned xbox and like gaming consoles a bit earlier in the episode and it's kind of hard to pinpoint where those lie because i think in a sense they're really spec driven right Uh, yeah i mean they're all about specs but on the other hand they're the because the user experience is essentially the game that you're playing sure you know and i mean there's a little bit software you know your multiplayer systems or not whatnot but it feels like because they are even though they're not that expensive i mean three four hundred five hundred dollars that's not too expensive because they are so much about specs and not focused at all on user experience by contrast to like you know iphones putting slight bumps and then being able to also do slight little increases in user experiences gaming consoles have to really up the ante and they have to take so long to do an upgrade because they have to make you know if if xbox came out next year and said i mean yes they drew like the xbox one s and like all these little slight changes but it's so much more that they know they really have to do a huge increase to make it awesome for people being like oh yeah look how much cooler this is i think game consoles are a great example of companies fundamentally changing the experience because the games are going to load so much faster. You're going to have ray tracing. The graphics are going to be on a whole new level. You can automatically enable HDR in games that previously hadn't supported it. Uh, And the design, I mean, take the Xbox One X to the Xbox Series X. That's, I mean, it's a whole different console. And so I think that's a great example of companies targeting more of a pro gamer market and really delivering to uh, their needs. Whereas you have like the S iteration of the Xbox and that's kind of relying more on the hitting, I guess, the budget consumer or something like that. Um, But yeah, I mean, ultimately, I think companies do what people pay for. You know, money drives the system. And I think it's just clear from our consumer habits that people are willing to to purchase new phones every year. Do you think that's going to change? Do you think we'll see a shift in the market now that we like Samsung's phones start at a thousand dollars right now. I mean, I think maybe as yeah, as phones go up and up, if they keep going up, which is they could do considering the fact that the fold is you know what eighteen hundred dollars. It's yeah. crazy. It's something yeah, like that. A laptop. So, yeah. so if Apple comes out with a fold, and if they start, you know, phones start getting closer to doing what a laptop does, as far as you know, they start at phone size, fold out to like big tablet size. Maybe we could see them doing like slower releases, but I don't know. It, it, I find, I'd find it hard to see. We could see, however, stuff like wearables, right? So like AirPods, watches, things like that. If those start to creep up and become more popular, those could take the places of smartphones as far as yearly refreshes. And smartphones can move into more computers in that those are the things that are powering your essential experiences, your work stuff. And then all the peripherals are the things you update you know, yearly. <laughs> like a mouse, keyboard, trackpad. Well, yeah, but not even headphones. It would, it would be more that I, I don't know. I can't. It'd be more that your, uh, you know, your Apple Watch or your, you know, Samsung Watch or whatever. That would be like your smartphone in the future, and your smartphone would be more like your computer. I sure. I mean, that makes sense, especially at this point. I think for checking my email, sending messages, and checking the weather, my phone does it just fast enough. You know, it's it's going to be perfect. But wait, there's a new one, Stetson. You could get. Oh my God. You know what the worst part is? Check it 2% faster. As a YouTuber, I'm going to get it. 
Like, regardless of what happens, I'm going to get it, even if I don't want it. I don't know. That's, don't you hate it? I do. To some degree, I do. Like, I want to be budget-minded and focused. Like, this is my cell phone plan thing, too. Like, I promote affordable cell phone plans, but yet I personally and signed up for so many that my cell phone bill each month is actually quite expensive. Huge. Yeah. Hmm, how do you practice what you preach? That's the question. I don't know, Gabe. I think sometimes you don't. You just try and provide the information and maybe you tell the story in a way that can help you practice what you preach. So you get the new iPhone, but you also drop a, hey, also check out deals on last generation. Apple dropped the price. You can get a good deal, buy certified refurbished, get Amazon refurbished. That's, you know, That's the opposite of practicing what you preach. What do you mean? I don't know. Well, anyways, that's pretty much it for this episode, guys. Uh, let us know on our social media, uh, Facebook or, you know, where? No, probably not Facebook. No one uses Facebook. Just Twitter. Twitter, pinch, pinch to Zoom pod or on Instagram, pinch to Zoom podcast. Let us know how, you know, what you think about this yearly rat race we're in of searching for the newest and greatest and latest technology and uh, any solutions you have to it. Because I don't think we, we really came up with any. We kind of just diagnosed the problem. We have a problem, and I think the solution is voting with your wallet what you want to see. And maybe that'll change, especially given the uh, the current economy. But uh, yeah, who knows? All right, guys. Yeah, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Pinch to Zoom podcast. I'm Stetson. I'm Gabe. And we look forward to talking to you in the next episode, which we have a bonus episode coming out for the OnePlus 8 event. So stick around. We just had a whole episode about talking about the yearly refresh cycle to be followed up by a bonus <laughs> episode <laughs> celebrating and covering the yearly refresh cycle of OnePlus 8. Well, actually, the bi-yearly, because they do it two times a year. Okay.